All right, welcome to No Stay Project for this June 21st, Tuesday. Ah, can't speak. <laughs> June 21st, 2008. Glad to be back. I'm Mark Stevens, author of Adventures in Legal Land, host for this next two hours of Anarchy Radio. That's right. No government apologetics, and my regular third weekend guest is definitely no stranger to anarchy or voluntarism. I want to welcome to the show from Freedom Radio, Stefan Molyneux. Welcome to the show, Steph. Oh, thanks so much. Just wanted to remind people that Anarchy Radio means that we're randomly going up and down the dial, and it's up to you to find us. Of course, most people believe anarchy. Of course, when you uh, when you have no choice but to provide to people not figuring out exactly what anarchy. Is. Did I lose Steph? Uh, I'm around. Uh, you, you seem to be cutting in a little bit out for me. Uh, how's, uh, how's my stream? Is it okay? Your stream seems fine. Cutting in and out. And I was just saying that you have a vested interest in people. Not if Uh, sorry, Mark, if you're around, I'm getting a lot of cutoff from you, so um, I'm sure it'll clear up in just a sec, but uh, just wanted to mention, if you want to start your intro, I'll come yeah. in a bit. Yeah, I'm getting, uh, you know what, uh, this this is just not working out. Steph, just cover the, Steph, uh, everyone, I'm going to... Uh, um, I'm just going to I'm going to Skype back in. So, uh Steph, I want to we're going to talk about the economy today, so if you could just right back. And uh taking it away from Marcus, he uh comes back from uh his uh uh his technical problems. We're going to start the show this uh this evening talking a little bit about the economy. Mark has an excellent excellent video out there uh on uh, uh the quote high price of gas which is very interesting, and I'm going to summarize the argument, and then Mark will correct me where I have doubtless got it wildly incorrect. But if you take the price of a gallon of gasoline and compare it to the price of silver or of gold, you will find that it actually remains pretty constant over the past 30 years. The difference, of course, being the printing of fiat money by the Federal Reserve has resulted in a deflation of the American dollar relative to... Uh, the gold standard, or in this case, the oil standard. In other words, where you have a, standard, a standardized commodity such as oil or gold, you have a fixed price for that. And when you print more money, you will end up with that commodity, whether it is gold or it is oil, costing more. And we all know, of course, that as the Fed has printed more dollars, the price of gold has gone up because there are more dollars relative to the supply of gold. In the same way, when the Fed prints more dollars, the price of other commodities, such as imported food and sometimes domestic food, but in particular oil, uh, goes up as well. So it's not so much that the price of oil is going up mysteriously. It is that the Federal Reserve is printing so many monopoly money dollars that it simply costs more of them to buy the uh, oil as it comes off the commodity market. So I thought that was an excellent uh, way of looking at it. I would add one other little thing. Uh, in, into that as well. And this is all the complexity that goes on when you have a chaotic and uh, fin de kind of status system. 
that uh, American farm subsidies also have an effect on the price of oil, which is kind of complex but interesting, and I'll just touch on it here. American farm subsidies, uh, and it's not just American, but it's most of the Western economies, they subsidize their farms like crazy, dump a huge amount of crops onto the international market. What this means is that rural-based economies like China and India end up uh, being unable to compete in terms of food because you can't compete with heavily subsidized or free food. That drives people off the farms and it drives them into the cities in China and in India. When labor aggregates in the cities, the price of that labor goes down because there are more people chasing fewer jobs. That drives industrialization. Industrialization drives up the price of oil. You need more oil to run a factory than you do to run a farm. And that, again, increases the demand for oil overseas. And it's just another example of how domestic subsidies end up distorting the economy overseas because it's driving up the demand for oil overseas, which drives up the price of oil domestically as well. So there's a lot of factors that go into play into creating these wildly distorted oscillations. Naturally and inevitably, this will be blamed on the free market by major pundits rather than identifying the true culprit, which is the size, power, and force of the government. Well, of course. And am I coming in any better now? Oh, that's clear. That's clear. It's like you're whispering in my brain. Ah, oh, there you go. Well, I, I appreciate that. What you, you know, and I agree with what you're saying, Stefan. And I didn't get to hear all of it, so I'm going to have to j uh, play catch up here. Oh, it was all perfectly correct. Uh. I agree with it all. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, there you. Well, all right. <laughs> well, uh, of course, that's where we're the guest. Well, I do apologize for that. Hopefully, we don't. I don't have any more uh, technical problems I thought I had it taken care of I actually made it you know seem like a uh, hundred times worse but anyway yeah um, you had mentioned about the video you went a little bit further than uh, the video that I have the, the grand illusion yeah I was just I was really reiterating the argument that if you if you peg the price of oil to the price of a fixed commodity like silver or gold that it has remained relatively constant it's just the overprinting of money that drives up the price of gas well yeah uh, absolutely I want you know and uh, just to, to jump in here, uh, one of the things that, well, at least many Republicans seem to get stuck on is that the old argument, well, there's not enough gold and silver out there to, to run an economy like this. <laughs> what do you say to, to such tripe? Well, I mean, the whole point is that silver can be mixed, right? So let's say there's not enough silver or gold that's out there. All you would do is you would create a currency which would have a mixture of silver and copper or other materials. Uh, that, of course, is what the Romans did until they began debasing their currency, thus ending their imperialistic empire. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter how much gold is out there beyond a certain minimum because you can just dilute it with other metals if you feel that this is important. But I'm not such a big fan of the gold standard as the de facto way of solving the problem of currency. Um, just to put a minor plug in for a book that's not out yet but should be out within a week or two, uh, I've just finished a book called uh, Practical Anarchy, which is my stab at how a voluntary society solves problems like roads and education and currency and uh, all of this stuff which is publicly delivered at the moment. And we don't know whether a truly free society will decide on gold uh, or silver uh, or uh, you know old copies of the chips TV series videotapes. We have no idea, but we do know that it's going to be you know stable and secure currency so that people aren't going to have to try and navigate their way through the whitewater rapids of statist fiat printing. So it may be gold in a free society, it may be something else, but 
the amount of gold is not specific because, as I said, you can always dilute it. Well, right. And I, always, I, I also take it from another standpoint that you – because know, I've known people who were libertarians who insisted that there's just not enough gold and silver to, to drive such an economy. You don't, you don't have enough. And my answer has always been, well, when the demand of something goes up, you know, when there's not enough gold, you know, let's say there's not enough gold and the value, you know, and it's scarce, the, you know, the value will go up. So the value of the gold compared to other commodities will actually rise, which will in fact give you, uh, def- you know, more currency, if you will, because it's yeah. worth more. More of the, the less gold will buy you more. So that that's to me is the easiest answer. Also, like you're saying, the market will decide. The, you know, hundreds of millions of people will decide. The market will decide what the commodity will, what what commodity or commodities uh, will will not be used based on their effectiveness and how how, uh, how efficient they are. Yeah, I mean, the problem with gold is that somebody could invent how to make gold and thus deflate the currency. And of course, the Spanish, I shouldn't say of course, but the Spanish empire in the 16th century, when it discovered gold in the New World, completely wrecked its economy, although it was fully on a gold standard because they brought in all the Aztec and Incan gold and wrecked the Spanish economy for approximately 400 years. So gold is not a panacea because the problem of production uh, and consumption remains the same as it would for any other commodity. I imagine that a currency of the future would simply be an electronic currency that would be triple-checked against productivity so that you would not gain more in the production or creation of that currency electronically than there would be goods and services in the economy to try and bring down the variation of inflation or deflation as much as possible. I mean, that would be my guess as to how it will work. But I always get surprised when libertarians say this or that is not possible in the free market. That's, it seems to me that that's saying that I am smarter than all possible people who may be trying to solve this problem. I certainly don't have the uh, intellectual moxie for that. Maybe some other people do, but I'm not sure that it's very wise. Well, they typically call, typically call people like that Republican pundits. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. You know, they, 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 they have all the solutions. Oh, that couldn't possibly work, you right. know? Uh, well, I have the head of Stalin in a yeah. box, and I consulted him whenever I need an answer to how a command economy should work. Uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. It, it's incredible is that people... Uh, we'll see that even though markets have, you know, have always chosen gold or silver, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, hard metal like that, uh, as a currency because of, uh, because of certain aspects of them, you know, scarcity, uh, the fact that they are worth, uh, they have value aside from their use in, as money, you know, it's their industrial uses and 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 whatnot that gives it its value. Uh, that still believe that pieces of paper are really the only thing that you could use and, is, and that some people have said in response to the, my video was that uh, fiat is really the best system out there. It's the best you have. Like, wait a minute. How can you think, you know, and you look at the track record, Steph, and uh, the follow-up video I'm going to be doing is, uh, is about how, uh, you know, maybe three, minute, maybe three minutes or less of how the Federal Reserve actually caused the depression. But you look at the track record of the Federal Reserve since 1913. It has been a constant boom and bust, which is only... Uh, only, which you can only do by flooding the market with paper. Well, sure. Look, I, I mean, I, I have no problem with fiat currency. I just want 
the government out of it. I mean, I, I don't mind if if uh, if Parker Brothers comes out with monopoly money and people use that as long as there as there's competition for efficiency. I don't care what. I just want to have the choice to choose the most efficient currency and the most stable currency and the most secure currency. So as long as the government doesn't have a monopoly, all bets are off and the market will come up with the best solution. So. Um, whether it's government or gold, sorry, whether it's gold or something else doesn't matter. As long as it's not a violent monopoly, I'm happy with whatever solution people come up with. Well, I've said before on the show many times, you know, in a free market, anybody should be, you know, you know, free to bring whatever product they want to the market uh, for people to, you know, to, uh, ex- you know, voluntarily, uh, freely uh, exchange for. So if somebody wants to say, hey, we're the Federal Reserve. Uh, we're not really federal. There are no reserves, but we have these pieces of paper. They're not really notes. But uh, they circulate as money, and so we think that this is a better medium of exchange than all these other ones. Hey, they should be free to do that. Now, obviously, only an idiot would uh, would choose to use pieces of paper that these people, ju- you know, can just generate at will. But they should be, you know, even idiots should be free to come to the market. Well, imagine, and, and uh, imagine what would happen if I uh, tried to start a bank that took between five and ten percent of your savings every year. Would, would I succeed in the free market of banking? But that's exactly what fiat currency is. It only survives because of a coercive monopoly. Well, that's true. Exactly. And you know, you, when you, you, you see all the things that are happening here, I want to talk about gas and also you know, the housing. Uh, when you see all of this, uh, if you understand money, it's pretty clear. But when you, if you go through a lot of the comments you see on my video or other videos or you, know, you hear other shows where people are calling in and talking about what's going on, uh, for some reason, uh, no matter how sim- simple you explain it, there are people that just don't get the fact that all that's happening now is probably 90% due to the fact that there is no money system, that it's, it's all based on the, these, the, these pieces of paper that are called notes, which are not really notes. And, you know, they say, well, inflation can't work. Even the ones that understand it, step well, inflation doesn't work that fast. I mean, there you it's, it's that same attitude you just mentioned before, like the guy who has Stalin's head in the box. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. No, it is, it is, it is quite funny how people uh, will, uh, will rush to defend this. The, the, the privatization of money is something that is considered to be just crazy. I mean, like, people will accept the privatization of roads before they will accept the privatization of currency. But currency is just another good, it's just another service, it's just a way of comparing apples and oranges using an objective medium. You don't need a monopoly. In fact, 19th century America ran on a plurality of currencies. Each bank would offer their own currency note. Of course, fiat currency grew out of just having notes to represent gold, as you know. And there was a plurality. I remember um, reading, I think it was in Ben Franklin's autobiography where he was talking about some of the challenges of uh, traveling and making sure that you had a way of exchanging these these gold notes. And yeah, maybe it'll be gold in the future, but it's been, what, 60 years since we had a gold standard? I mean, 60 years ago, <laughs> I mean, everything was delivered by mail. Uh, so the fact that w- whenever you get a monopoly, stuff just freezes in time. It doesn't change, right? And uh, so maybe it would be gold in the future, but that's like saying that uh, we should still be using only snail mail because... Uh, because that's what was in place 60 years ago before the internet. Well, now we use uh, email for the most part, and that's because something new, like an electronic means of communicating, has uh, largely circumvented or circumnavigated the um, uh, the printed form and the delivery form. And the same thing would happen in the future with currency. Who knows what amazing stuff could be done in terms of currency in the future? Uh, we just we don't know, but we do know that it's still stuck in a pre-electronic era for the most part. 
Well, um, at this point, I think uh, someone who's a, a, from the Chicago Federal Reserve said at least for the Federal Reserve, I don't know about Canada or anywhere else, but uh, the Federal Reserve spokesman had said that uh, 80, only 19% of the currency out there is in hard form, is which is tangible. The rest of it is all checkbook or, you know, uh, keystrokes, you know, it, it, it's on a computer. It's all computerized credit now anyway. Except for this, this nineteen percent. Well, that's true, but of course it is. Uh, it, that, that's certainly true that it's electronic, but it's an electronic representation of a monopoly fiat currency. That's not quite the same as electronic money, if that makes sense. Oh, I, I, yeah, it, it does make sense. I just wanted to point it out before we went to a break, and we'll we'll expand more on this when we get back. My name is Mark Stevens. You can give us a call here and join us at five one two six four six nineteen eighty four. That's five one two six four six nineteen eighty four. We'll be right back on the No State Project. All right. Welcome back to another State Project. I'm your host, Mark Stevens, author of Adventures in Legal Land. My website is adventuresinlegalland.com. Uh, welcome back to the show. It's June 21st, 2008, and I am, of course, coming to you live from my fortified compound here in Phoenix, Arizona, where it is about 187 degrees. Yes. Well, at least it feels that way. I want to welcome back to the show, Stefan Molyneux. I know it's a little cooler up there where you are, but welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much. I just wanted to mention uh, to those who haven't heard me on this show before that uh, it's freedomainradio.com and all my books, uh, Universally Preferable Behavior, A Rational Proof of Secular Ethics, uh, On Truth, The Tyranny of Illusion, Real-Time Relationships, The Logic of Love, and the new book, Everyday Anarchy, are all available for free on my website. Why? Because when it comes to business, apparently, I have cheese curds for brains. So I just wanted to mention that. Uh, so <laughs> please take it away. My cheese-eating surrender monkey friend here. <laughs> right. I mean, the last name, Molyneux, that tells you all you need to know. I'm eating Christopher uh, Nui and surrendering to the Wehrmacht. <laughs> it always seems to come down to cheese with this guy. <laughs> right. It's, it's, a, it's a tradition in my gene pool. What can I say? Well, you know, cheese would actually be a better medium of exchange anyway than paper. <laughs> right. At least you can eat it. Well, it, it has value other than money. Other than his money. Right. But it has value. It does have value. And the, the point we were making before that, yes, you can have – and I, I, you know, I believe that uh, currency of the future, I agree with you that it's more than likely going to be some kind of electronic. But I think it's, it might be so, – yeah, I'm sure a lot of it's going to be based on like stuff like e-gold where it's actually tied to something tangible because this idea that people can just create currency or create money out of nothing uh, – that that's where you know where this problem comes in, uh, where you know like banks, of course, uh, you know just when they when they make a so-called loan, they're not actually giving you a loan. They're not okay. You know they're just it's all on paper, and so they, here they take you know in in a nutshell, they take control of your home in exchange for the loan. It's uh, it's collateral. So that's why the banks go and they do their thousands and well, millions of foreclosures now. And actually I have some numbers in that we'll get to. Uh, so that's the problem. So how can a currency, though, Stefan, uh, be electronic and be uh, to where, you know, something isn't being created from nothing? The way the well, currency is I, I think uh, my answer to that, and again, I certainly don't claim to be able to replace even a tenth of a percent of the free market, but my answer to that is to say, well, if I wanted... People to enroll in Steph Bucks, the currency of the future, available on my website for real dollars. But if, if I wanted people to enroll in Steph Bucks, I would need to reassure them that I wasn't going to inflate uh, the currency. I would need to build up the reputation slowly. Uh, I would need to ensure that 
my currency would be pegged to a series of commodities, right? So my, my currency would be stable relative to, say, oil or gas or maybe gold. And I would guarantee people that if it ever oscillated beyond a certain percentage point, you know, maybe 2 or 3% a year, uh, inflated or deflated, that I would pay them a certain amount of money. Like I would simply put cash – and, and maybe I would pay them that money in gold or something like that. So I would simply give people a guarantee like all good entrepreneurs do to say, look, my currency is going to be secure and it's going to be stable. And if it ever veers more than 2 or 3% according to independent uh, verification, then I will give you 1% of your holdings in gold, right? So you just provide guarantees with incentives, which makes it more cost-efficient for you to keep your currency stable than it would be to print a little extra and inflate. Exactly. And what you, what, the idea that I have for something like that is, of course, in right in line with what you're saying, is you are actually insuring the value of the currency. Yeah, like all entrepreneurs, uh, you, you simply are going to make uh, make the customer understand that it is more profitable for you to serve their, their needs rather than your own needs, right? I mean, that's what entrepreneurs do, and there's you know six million different ways of doing that. So uh, I don't consider that to be a huge challenge. Uh, and of course, even if we consider it to be a significant challenge, at least it's a challenge that can be solved, uh, unlike the problem of uh, fiat currency, which is only solved through economic mayhem, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Devastation. Well, we have uh, JT uh, on. He's going to be joining us. He's, he's just called in. JT, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Stefan, hello. Hi. Apologize for being late, gentlemen. Oh, not a problem. We're talking about currency. And, and uh, so I, I know you and I have talked an awful lot. We talk an all, awful lot about the, the problems that the Federal Reserve is causing and uh, just – not possible when you have well look the whole thing is based on fraud the fact that they you know, it, it, you, you look at the the word the name Stefan and I know I don't know what it says on Canadian money you can let me know I don't know if it's comparable but it says Federal Reserve note and it's a lie to word ratio of one to one you know in that it's not federal it's not a government agency and that's the thing it's already privatized uh, currency. So why people would have a problem with it is totally beyond me, unless they believe that it actually is federal. But the Federal Reserve System is private, of course. It loans you know, fake notes to the government. And then, of course, there's no reserves. And uh, the fact that it says, it says it's a note. And legally, a note is synonymous with promissory note, which it's not a promissory note at all. So the whole thing is complete fraud. So, JT, I wanted to just mention a little bit about what Jim Willie uh, in the, the Golden Jackass report had mentioned uh, about, what, about what we should be looking out for right now. Oh, where do I start? Um, he, he's, <laughs> predicting, uh, he's predicting everything short of economic collapse before the end of the year. Uh, it's cataclysmic. It's... It, the the mask is coming off, and uh, there's nowhere else for the fiat money to hide, uh, save uh, gold and silver. And they're trying desperately to uh, suppress that as best they can. I know, it's, Steph. It's, let me go ahead. You cut out. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I just I wanted to get Steph's take on it because Steph, you're you're in Canada. I believe you're in. You, was it Ontario? Yeah, it's, it's a little different here. The currency's just been redesigned, and now there's a little uh, small piece of text along the bottom which says, you're hosed, eh? 
and uh, there's a, just a little picture of the queen giving us the finger. Uh, I'm not sure what that means, but ah. I think it probably ties into the other thesis that the gentleman has. So, But it's the same nonsense up here. I mean, I just wanted to be annoyingly precise. Uh, the system is not founded on fraud, Mark. The system is founded on violence, as you've pointed out before. Well, that's true, yes. The note is the note is fraud that is put in place through compulsion through the violence. That the only reason why they can get away with what they're doing is because of the violence. You're you're absolutely right. You're right. So so what JT is saying about economic collapse, do you is that something you see happening in Canada also? No, no, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a year, but I mean, this is stuff's very hard to predict, and certainly none of us have the information that the people on the inside have. But uh, no, I don't think uh, I don't think economic collapse is going to be how it. There's just there's too much intellectual and human and physical capital built up in the U.S. for there to be pure economic collapse. Um, I you know I, I think that there will be, certainly be a transition and it's going to be a painful transition. But I don't see collapse. The difference, of course, here in Canada is that we don't have a military industrial complex to nearly as great a degree. We're not the world's policemen and so on. You know, we have uh, three guys. One of them has a ping pong. The other one, I think, has a blow dart. Uh, so, uh, as far as that goes, we actually uh, have – we're sort of a haven relative to the U.S. dollar because it is the uh, military-industrial complex that I think is primarily responsible for the downfall of the U.S. dollar. We don't have that. So, much like the euro, the Canadian dollar is gaining in strength as the U.S. dollar weakens. Well, the, yeah. With respect, the, the Canadian dollar is gaining in strength relative to, to the so-called United States dollar. The reason, the reason I think that, that Jim Willie's correct, that notwithstanding the fact that he has a Ph.D. in statistics from Carnegie Mellon University, but if the system is founded on violence, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and they only have one thing to do and one thing they can do, and that's to print, 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 print. All right, and we'll, we'll have to get back to that in just a moment, JT. My name is Mark Stevens. We'll be back in just a moment on No State Project. Really appropriate for what we're talking about. My name is Mark Stevens, the Mistake Project. Kevin and JT sent this to me. The Royal Bank of Scotland has advised clients to brace for a full fledged crash in global stock and credit markets over the next three months as inflation paralyzes the major central banks. And he says, a very nasty period is going to be upon us. Be prepared. Wow. It's the bank's credit strategy. So, I, oh, so we're going to talk about that and more. If you want to join us here on the show, Please do. The number is 512-646-1984. That's 512-646-1984. I want to welcome back JT. Thank you, Mark. And also, of course, regular guest for the third Saturday of the month, Stefan Molyneux of FreeDomainRadio.com. Welcome back, Steph. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate it. Do you have a good Scottish accent? Uh, it's not bad, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. So far, it just appears that I, I sit on a cactus wearing only a sparren. That's as far as I've been able to get. So, oh, this would sound so much better, you know. And you know, the, it's a, a very nasty period. It's soon upon us. Well, all right, there you go. Uh, not, not the not not the best either. Anyway, I want to get back to this. I want to ask you and JT this, and I'll put it out to both of you. 
And I don't want to come off as a doomsdayer or, or a fear monger. I just want to examine the situation and kind of try to predict the way things may possibly go. Uh, because there are people that are saying, you know, like this guy, uh, the bank, you know, the Royal Bank of Scotland, and there are other so-called experts and pundits and whatnot about the total economic collapse. And one thing I would throw out there is, is to, to both of you. I want, JT, why don't you take this first, and then, Stefan, you, you uh, can... Give us what you think after. With gas going up the way it is and the price of oil, where it, it's absolute, I mean, it jumped five, I think, three to five dollars a, a barrel yesterday uh, before it closed yesterday on uh, June 20th. And uh, so they're, they're going up. I mean, they're predicting we're going to have $200 a barrel oil before the end of the year, which is, is going to be nine, 10, 12, or $15 a gallon of gasoline. I think. And you're starting to see this already, uh, where in Spain, for example, there was a trucker strike, and, and you're starting to see where uh, the trucking industry, the shipping industry, is, uh, is under increased pressure to, to stay in business. So if, if oil does skyrocket, continue to skyrocket, won't that shut down the, 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 you know, most of the ship or cripple the shipping industry, and what kind of effect will that have on the economy? Well, the majority still here in these so-called states. The majority of transportation is done by independent truckers, so it's going to have a it's going to have a horribly deleterious effect. Uh, and as an aside, there was a gentleman on CNBC yesterday, which I watched because it's just bad vaudeville. But this guy comes on, and he was a he was a ge- geological professor. I can't remember what institution, but he very somberly predicted five to five hundred and fifty a dollar a barrel uh, oil. In the next three to five years, and of course they couldn't usher him off the uh, air quickly enough. But uh, no, it's it's, it's going to paralyze. It's going to paralyze shipping. Absolutely. So paralyzed shipping is going to have a ripple effect throughout the entire. I mean, you're basically shutting the economy down. Well, but it yeah. can't happen that way. I mean, with all due respect, I mean because. If, if oil becomes too expensive to purchase, the price will simply drop. The only reason that the price is increasing at the moment is because people are willing to pay it. And they're willing to pay it because they still need to do stuff. But there's simply no way that trucking can be shut down because that would just mean that the people who have oil would have no one to sell it to and the price would drop, right? But, but, the, but the slosh of, of fiat currency, and, and I, I re- we, when we went to break, you were talking about the loony being on par or better now with the dollar, but when you're measuring things, when, when you're measuring things against other things that are, are just as fraudulent, it really doesn't have a meaning. Those those excess dollars have to go somewhere. It's, they're just not going to disappear, and that's why oil is is up in dollar numbers uh, across the globe because those excess dollars have got to go somewhere. Well, but if it was so sorry, if it was, if it was excess it dollars, to, if, it, if it was just the overprinting of currency. If it was just the overprinting of currency, then all consumer prices would be going up because currency is used for all but consumer they, but prices. They are, they, they are. But not relative to oil. Oil is a special case that's going up that much more quickly. So it's, it, some, it it's something other than fiat money. That's, I mean, I think fiat money is a part of it, but there are other factors that are driving up the price of oil, not just the fiat currency. Otherwise, all prices would be going up, to, like in the hyperinflation in Germany in the 20s. Uh, all the prices would be going up like crazy. Right, but, but what's different between now and, and, and uh, uh, Weimar Germany and even the early uh, 70s uh, United States and the world 
it, it, there's greater controls and funneling and where the, the expansion of money is happening. So it's taking a longer period of time to reflect down to the rest of the economy. And they're, ba- they're bailing out their buddies in the, in the private investment banks, but it's leaking out into uh, petrodollars because we have a political relationship with the Saudis. The Saudis are ticked off that their dollar-denominated asset, i.e. oil, is being worth less and less and less because it is denominated worthless dollars. And I think that is precisely why the dollar uh, price of oil is up so high. Absolutely. It, it, well, it's, uh, look, it certainly, and, has a, it certainly is a factor. It certainly is a, fa- it certainly is a factor, and I certainly won't defend the fiat currency, but uh, increased industrial demand from China and India uh, is also bidding up the price of oil, and that, as I've argued in a video on YouTube, will result in lower consumer prices for the goods that are produced in those nations that are sold into the United States. That is a factor, but as, as Mark's uh, wonderful video so uh, glaringly illustrates, it is the money, because it, the, the same amount of silver buys as much or more gasoline now as it did in 1947. That's true, and, I, I, and that is true. However, economic, uh, uh, sorry, uh, technological advances has actually caused uh, the oil to, you know, to be cheaper, especially when you compare it with, with gold. But what I, what I want to jump in and say is that, it, 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 Steph, you have a point. And I, you know, about total economic collapse, that it may not actually come to that because it could, you know, they could price themselves right out of the market, and then they've got no one to sell it to. What, what I want to mention before that, you know, before we get into that, is uh, it takes a while for the hyperinflation to work its way through the economy. What we're seeing now, and this is this is just what I see from the facts. This is my opinion based on the facts. Is that you have the hyperinflation that that uh, drove the housing bubble. Is ne- so you had the prices skyrocketing. Uh, California, my gosh, my God. Stephanie, out here in California, in California, the house, some houses in some areas were going up eight to ten thousand dollars a month. Now, the the uh, the uh, the effect of that on the price of of let's say uh, a commodity like oil didn't happen overnight. It took a couple years to get to that point. So it does take time for this for it to work itself through the economy. And prices have been going up. The prices of food and energy have all been going up. But no, you're right. They're not going up at the same rate as gas and oil yet. Yeah, and definitely the 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 part of the increase in the oil prices that is driven by fiat overprinting is also going to be, I mean, just economically speaking, is going to be the same for for most of the other commodities. So I'm definitely with you there. I just don't believe that the fiat currency is responsible for all of the uh, the gas or oil increases. That there are other factors such as demand overseas and and so on, the the farm policy which I talked about earlier. So um, I'm with you guys for the most part. I just think that there's more to it than just the fiat currency. I don't disagree well, with there, that. I just think the majority reason is the fiat currency. Yeah, I think we can all agree that it's definitely the majority uh, the majority reason why. And uh, But we have a caller, so why don't we, uh, we go to Dusty in Ohio. Dusty, welcome to the No State Project. Hey, Mark, thanks. Um, I have a little tidbit that I think you'll find interesting on the uh, currency situation, but... First, I have a personal problem just briefly. Uh, I need to find some books on uh, tax avoidance by corporations, maybe something that you've written, uh, because uh, we've got a corporation going, and before I get into a situation where I need some professional help from a person like yourself, I think I'd better do some boning up. We have uh, been granted a um, 
uh, charter by the state for a corporation. Well, let, let, let me cut you off right there. Something like that, you can get get with, with an issue like that. Get with me off air, or let's say next week when we're talking about a different topic. We want to stick strictly on on the currency and economy right now. All right, now how do I do that? Do I email you there at your website and the rest? And Mark Stevens at adventuresinlegaland.com. You, you had something to say right. uh, about the currency, right? Right. Now, that is uh, uh, something from the IMAN again. And he points out that the first um, uh, currency that was ever used in the colonies was what was called the Massachusetts Bay Dollar. I'll hang on. Okay. Okay. My name is Mark Stevens. This is the No State Project. Joining me today, JT, good friend, supporter of the show. Glad to have him on. And also from freedomainradio.com, Stefan Molyneux. And uh, you can join us here. Number is 512-646-1984. That's 512-646-1984. We'll be right back. Don't go away. All right. Welcome back to No State Project here on the We the People Radio Network. That's WTPRN.com. Want to welcome back, JT. And Stefan Molyneux, freedomainradio.com. Welcome back, guys. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, and we have also, we're going to finish the call. We have Dusty from Ohio on still. He had just mentioned, welcome back to the show. You mentioned about the first currency used in Massachusetts. Well, according to the I, man, it was um, a currency, uh, paper money, which was tied to commodities, all right, but they were commodities that the people used every day bushels of grain, uh, pounds of wool, things like that. You know, uh, uh, there's no way of getting out of the situation. We're all greedy stinkers, and I don't care if you privatize money, you make it public money, whatever you do, there's going to be greed and inflation involved in that. But if it's tied to commodities, what happens if you had more bushels of corn this year than you had last? You're just richer. That's all. The economy grew, and you're richer. There's no way to hide uh, inflation in that kind of a currency. Well, that's not necessarily. I, a, 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 yeah. Sorry. I, I, I disagree with that statement because if it's if it's a, if it's a currency that has a, that's based on something tangible and has a use outside of money, say in industry or manufacturing, and it requires labor to create, then yeah, there there isn't there isn't going to be inflation. There wasn't inflation in, in this so-called country for 150 years until the Federal Reserve. Of course, you know, uh, even before the goldsmiths got into the deal, uh, the shamans from way back, uh, religious leaders, the people would bring them stuff, you know, uh, just like they do to gurus over in India, to keep them tied down on the ground, to keep them from levitating, so-called. And um, uh, they tried to figure out where they had storehouses, and they store up this stuff. Store them. They couldn't figure out, well, we're out of storehouses. What are we going to do now? How are we going to condense the bringing in? Uh, and so that's the, you know how coinage got started in the first place is uh, is the greed of storing up more than than the commodity uh, uh, is worth in the first place. Guys, I'll let you go and let you discuss on. I appreciate the uh, the uh, discussion. Right, thanks a lot, Dusty. That's Dusty in Ohio. Appreciate the call. I know. The reason why corn typically is not chosen by the market anyway is because it it does vary so much. And so 
be kind of rare for the market to choose something that varies and is so and fluctuates like that. It's like the old selling point of this Federal Reserve. You need an elastic currency. Uh, what they didn't say is what they meant by elastic is that we're going to control the value, not you. Well, and weed is perishable, right? So it doesn't, you know, <laughs> use it or lose it. Yeah, I want to. I want to still get on the point because I think it's a valid point in trying to predict about you know what will happen. I mean, the the what they call the Great Depression from 1929 to I guess about 1941, 25 uh, percent unemployment uh, wasn't total economic collapse, uh, but it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, and so probably you we won't see complete economic collapse. But I got you know things. You know, I see things as getting. Pretty bad before they start getting better. But that's uh, good for us. You know, and, and I, I mean, sorry, but that, that's good for us, right? I mean, uh, it, it, at least it's good for the truth, right? And it's good for the people who've been saying this system is corrupt and evil and is destructive, right? So because, because there, is, there definitely is going to be an adjustment. Mathematically, anything which cannot continue will not continue. And, of course, my particular opinion is that the, the hyper-militarism of the past – a half century is really to do with pillaging the public treasury because they know that it's going to run out in their own tenure. So, uh, but it's good for us. The, the important thing is through shows like this uh, and the books that we write and the, the speaking engagements that we have uh, to get the word out to as many people as possible that it is an evil and corrupt system to use violence to provide goods or services, whether it is money or other things. And so when it does uh, hit the wall, uh, to whatever degree it's going to, the more that we can get the information out about this is the result of coercion, not freedom. This is the result of government, not the free market. This is the result of guns, not voluntarism. Then um, it actually helps our case, I think. Well, I think you're right because one of the points that I wrote down that I wanted to – so I didn't forget when we came back from the break was – now you got to you know about the other factors. We know that probably the, you know mathematically we can show that the fiat money, the currency or the fake notes, is responsible for most of the economic devastation that's going on right now, the, and, and the increase in prices, the well the illusory increase in prices. But there is inc also increased demand in these you know what used to be called third world nations, and like also with the uh, really industrialization of of China. However, the reason why I, I'll throw this out, it still has to do with the violence because even because the market is not allowed, uh, you cannot bring alternatives to gas to the market because you're violently uh, you're, you're, you're stopped violently. They will uh, the United States government for one absolutely will not let an alternative come to the market. You, you just can't do it. Well, so I the road would go system is hugely subsidized, right, which is one of the reasons why people are so addicted to cars to begin with. Well, yeah, they don't – I don't see the, 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 the problem being the car. The problem I see is the, is the damn government, the, the, these, this gang of killers, these and liars who will not allow an alternative to the market. They just they, – they're not – so there, there may be – you see, that's the thing. We can prove the coercion there, but we can't prove any kind of collusion between the oil companies and, and, and the government. So, but it, it still all goes down to, like you just mentioned, to the violence. We've got another call. As soon as uh, we have Al in South Dakota. Al, welcome to the No State Project. Al? Al, welcome to the show. Did we oh, get another mic? Oh, he's <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Well, I just I had one comment on uh, 
there was a caller that said, well, you know, if we had a really uh, bang-up year and, and we grew all kinds of crops, that inflation would happen. And, and I just wanted to kind of correct that a little bit because um, what would happen is the parity values would change. In other words, corn would become worth less and your gold and silver would buy more corn. Uh, in other words, what, um, what I just wanted to point out was that a money based on a substance, whatever substance it is, it is true that if you, if, if you and your neighbors produce more than can be used, it's going to, become, it's going to be worth less. But it's never going to approach the point of worthlessness that our fiat money is going to approach. That's true. Because the fiat's worthless to start with. Right. It's a two and a half cent piece of paper with some, or actually cotton with uh, some ink in it. Well, it's not even, it's not just that. If you listen to that video that's on the We the People, WTPRN.com, on the, the homepage there, it's just a video called Meet the Federal Reserve. There was the chairman, uh, a spokesman, the PR guy for the Chicago Federal Reserve. There's mercury in that stuff. It, they're toxic. That's, they're not even, in fact, the EPA banned them from burning it because it's so toxic. <laughs> Oh, goodness, I'll have to watch that video. <laughs> <laughs> WTPRN.com, you can see that. And so, you know, they've said for a long time that 90% of the of the dollars in, in uh, the, the Federal Reserve notes have cocaine on them. Hey, that's the least of your problems that there's cocaine so, so Mark, on So, Mark, what you're basically saying is we can't even use them for heat. <laughs> no, you should kill yourself. Is it okay to wipe? With <laughs> 90- and we use them for that, at least. <laughs> Well, if you want a mercury wipe down there, yeah, I think it'd be okay. That's true. <laughs> well, Al, Al in uh, South Dakota, I do appreciate the call. Oh, you bet. You guys have a great day. Thanks. I want to move on. I hope I didn't cut him off there. Uh, we do have uh, Barry in Arizona. Barry, welcome to the No Stay Project. Hey, Mark. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Good. Good to talk to you guys again. Um, just, you know, my own perspective here, it's like, Everybody talks like, you know, gold and silver have, you know, intrinsic value, right? But, you know, you can't eat it. And, uh, you know, if I set like a, a big gold brick on the middle of a cow pasture, I mean, I can even stamp Rothschild on it, and the cows are just going to eat around it. You know, they're not going to really care, you know. But when it comes to human beings, we have to have a, you know, medium of exchange, as, you know, they say. But, you know, my dad had a, my stepdad, Mike, who was at one of the seminars up here in Sedona, you know, he, he has an interesting way of putting it into context. And it's like, you know, precious metal or, or, you know, what we call actual money is just a way of storing your labor. And uh, you can't really do that with paper, you know, because you don't go dig it out of the ground, you know, or anything like that. You know, certainly, you know, no banker is going to roll his sleeves up and grab a pick and a shovel and, you know, get a mining sleuth and go try to get the gold out of the river or anything like that. So, you know, we do that. And, you know, we end up turning it into them for this fiat paper currency. And, you know, if, if there really is going to be a crash, I, I think, you know, me and my neighbor and my community are willing to exchange gold and silver between each other. But, you know, this money is just going to deflate. And it's, you know, like you said, I mean, you can maybe throw it in your wood stove. Um, I don't even think it would make very good toilet paper, to be honest with you. But, you know, I wouldn't even dare try to blow my nose on it. But, um, you know, every time, um, you know, we see prices going up and stuff like that, it only goes in one direction. That's because what they have built into the system is kind of like this check valve. And they always get more and do less. 
and we always get less and more. It's just the way they've got it wired and the way they got us mind controlled to support it, you know. So uh, sure, sure. That's why uh, people can talk about gold and silver on TV, and they call it funny money, but paper yeah. isn't. Yeah. But anyways, uh, love the show, and uh, uh, hope to see you again sometime. Yeah, I do appreciate the call there, Barry. I do. I I need to get out of the valley for a while, so uh, maybe yeah. we'll get something <laughs> there, uh, going up there in northern Arizona. I do appreciate the call. My name is Mark Stevens. This is the No Stay Project, and and uh, for June twenty first, two thousand eight. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back uh, with the Sunnyerless Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the project. This is the second hour. June 21st, 2000. Back in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome back to the show. GC and Stefan Molyneux, freedomainradio.com. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Stefan, you back with us? I sure am. How's it going? <laughs> Good. I want to get back to this. I. What you mentioned before is something that I've said, and, and you know, in uh, Ernie Hancock, ErnieHancock.com, I uh, has mentioned before also in that uh, like what Ernie has specifically said is, uh, vote in the word if you have to vote, which you shouldn't be voting anyway. Uh, but if you have to vote, if you can't get away from that, uh, vote in the possible people that you can, so that. Uh, so implementing all these totalitarian policies and the whole system collapses under its own weight, we can get actually you know, get to a, a voluntary society that way. You know? uh, so, you, basically, what you were saying, you know, if there is collapse, or there's near uh, collapse, that this will, you know, then you know, bring up could bring in, you know, wake people up. The question is, and, and you know, and let me put this to you, JT. In your experience, in your everyday experience, as things getting worse, is it, I'm sorry, say it again. You cut out there, Mark. In your day-to-day experience, in the last few months, what I as things continue to deteriorate, and damn, they are damn well getting worse on a you know every week. Uh, right. Are you noticing that people are seeing? The problem for it is that it's not just the evil oil people, that it is actually government and the Federal Reserve? Uh, but yeah, I mean, people that, that used to look at me like I had three heads um, now are engaging me. And, and, you know, your video was kind of a breakthrough that I, I sent out to my list. And I, I had people that wouldn't talk to me for years coming back and saying, wow, I never thought of it that way or looked at it that way. But, yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, but it's, like Stefan says, the misery has a way of uh, bringing clarity to people's thoughts and uh, having them realize what what the real problem is. I mean, just I think this is something I share with you in experience. Is an item that I, I buy frequently that used to run me around three dollars uh, a piece at the grocery store, and in the last couple of weeks, it's gone up. Uh, a dollar and thirty cents, which is a, a nearly a forty percent increase. I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. Now, yeah, it is. It is, and you know, I talk to people all the time about it, and I you know try to let people know. Well, I don't try. I mean, I do let people know. I spoke to someone uh, yesterday, you know, just last night. 
Uh, but Stan, how about you? I mean, in your regular, you know, day-to-day thing, are, are you noticing that the, you know, the the average state, this people that that uh, you, you know that you wouldn't think would blame government for these things uh, are? Oh yeah, yeah. no, it's a, it's a massive, massive improvement, and this. I mean, I've been arguing these topics for 25 years, and I think it was uh, even more than three heads at the beginning for, for those of us who've been doing this for a long time. And at the beginning, uh, it is uh, perceived as, uh, you know, real kinds of crazy talk. I mean, completely outside the mainstream, and it makes people very uncomfortable um, to, to look at these topics. And uh, it's changed enormously. Uh, of course, the internet has helped a lot. It is our new Gutenberg for original ideas, but um, uh, it has changed enormously, uh, even over the past few years. So I, I just think it's it's a wonderful step forward that um, uh, the same electronics that gives the government so much power is also giving those of us who are opposed to this institutionalized, organized uh, use of force uh, such a, an ability to communicate. And it's sort of like you don't want to see the collapse, but you can't stop it. And it is going to be helpful. So if you are somebody who's a researcher and you're the first person people, people to figure out that smoking causes lung cancer, it's not like you want to see people die of lung cancer. But if people won't listen to you until people start dying of lung cancer, you can at least extract some silver lining from that cloud, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. You know, it, 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 JT, I love the quote, you know, what you, you know, what you said, that misery you know, brings clarity of thought. And I was speaking to someone just last night at the gym. He's an older guy. He's probably his late 70s. And, but he's old enough. Uh, he was just a child at the time. But he's, he's old enough to have remembered Roosevelt. And not everybody who's over the age of 65 or 68 is enamored with uh, FDR. And, and, and he, you know, so he actually sees, you know, I brought him, I think, you know, all the way there. But at last, you know, but he did see a parallel between what is happening now and what happened, uh, you know, immediately preceding and, and causing the depression. So that's really encouraging. Mark, can I also tell you how nice it is that you refer to somebody who's older as in their 70s just because the listeners that I have are mostly in their teens and early 20s. So it's real nice to be looking uphill to the older people. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I think that I've got some hair back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's um, it, it, if, if you look at the – the insight on the YouTube videos, uh, the majority of the people watching that latest video are between 45 and 65. So, Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you, well, they're the one. Look, you got to you get you, you when you realize they're the ones who, who really have the mo- who stand somebody over 55 stands to lose a heck of a lot more than someone 18 years old. So they are watching the value of their assets go down on a regular basis. So if I, I think that's... Checkmark, we're, worse than even that, uh, you know, when I go to a local grocery store or a Walmart or so forth, I'm seeing so many folks in their uh, you know, 60s, 70s, and even 80s working. And they're not working to to stave off boredom. They're working because they have to work. And, and I think it's because, you know, back when I remember my grandfather being in his 70s, I don't ever recall seeing uh, the number of, of, of people his age out in the workforce in any capacity. But nowadays, it's just, it's legion. And I think there's a reason for that. And I think it's because that generation uh, is hopelessly 
or has been hopelessly sold on dollars, and they're paying a price for it. Well, absolutely. I find it amazing that the the previous generation – this is one of the things I said last night to this guy. I, I can't believe that there wasn't a uh, one of the most violent revolts in history in March of 1933 uh, to uh, – and I'm not saying that people were not outraged, and I'm not saying that uh, you know there weren't people that uh, didn't stand up. Uh, you know, a lot of them did take to the courts uh, about what was happening. But my gosh, how do you make gold illegal and have and, and not have people with, you know, <laughs> with torches and pitchforks marching on Washington, D.C. and every state capital in the country? I don't I, how do you even re, I don't understand how they even got away with to this day. I still maybe one of you guys can help me. How the hell did they get away with that? You've got total economic devastation. You've got 25% or more of the people out of work. You've had assets of, of, uh, of people and businesses that were completely wiped out. And this son of a bitch comes in and on March 1933 makes it a felony to own gold. How could there not have been a violent revolution? Uh, it's beyond me. Especially given the fact two weeks before the election he promised he would never do such a thing. Yeah, it, 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 it to me to this day it still boggles my mind that that this was that, that that was not the last straw. So that leads me again to a question we've asked before: How bad does it have to get before people have this misery that brings about the clarity of thought to where action is taken? Because I think I agree with you guys because I think that there there's a lot of people waking up and a lot of you know that, that it, for me to have someone that I go to church with uh, where it's predominantly overwhelmingly uh, mind numbed uh, Republicans uh, for someone to talk to me about libertarianism uh, is it was a shock but real I mean how bad I mean what does there have to be 25 percent unemployment again well, change is uh, change is painful. You know, statism is you know it's like smoking. You know, having that next cigarette is a lot easier than quitting, right? And postponing having to deal with you know this is how addictions start, right? Is that uh, breaking the addiction causes a lot of short term pain, and this is true with statism. And we've talked about this before. I'll just touch on it briefly. But I believe that the major barrier to an acceptance of a free society and the values of a free society, it's not the logic because ever since Adam Smith, or you could go even earlier, we've had the case for the free market, and the free market has proved itself spectacularly so regularly, and central planning has proven itself to be such a disaster that there's no reasonable human being in the world who doesn't at least admit that the free market is is an incredible machine for producing goods and services and enriching a country. So we've won the economic case. The, the moral case, of course, as you say on your website, Mark, nobody believes that you should provide goods and services at the point of a gun. So we've won the moral case. We've won the logical case. We've won the empirical case. We've won the case in economics. So the major question is, why do we keep losing? Why is it that we uh, are not making progress but rather going the other direction? And I think that the answer is that um, when you begin to speak the truth in your social circle, in your family, in your church, wherever it is that you are, people get really uncomfortable and they get kind of hostile. The truth uh, is like blood in the water for most people. Uh, and this has been the case since the pre-Socratics, right? I mean, it wasn't like they gave Socrates the key to the city, but rather a poison cup to drink from. The truth makes people very tense, and it makes people very upset, and it makes people very anxious, and it makes people very irritable. 
And I think that a lot of people go through the conformity not because they don't believe that there's a good case for the truth, but rather because they know what's going to happen if they stand up and speak it, which is that those around them are going to be very unhappy or angry or upset or cold or withdraw. And I think it's that social pressure that uh, is what keeps the truth at bay within society. In a sense, we're not slaves because we're owned by slave masters, but because we are willing to attack each other for calling ourselves slaves. And I, I think that's the part which libertarianism doesn't focus enough on, which is the interpersonal relationships that keep these illusions uh, sustained. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I was wearing a shirt that uh, Mike uh, Ramsey, gosh, I can't, oh, he's the co-chair of the Maricopa County Libertarian uh, Party, and I apologize for blanking on your name, Mike, but he had given me a shirt that, uh, if, the exact quote is, none are so blind that those who falsely believe themselves to be free. And someone at the gym says to me yesterday, he says, you know, that, that's some shirt you got there. I said, oh, thanks. He says, you know, something like that uh, can get you shot. And, and my response was, well, you know, those who would take offense at a shirt like this have already had their balls cut off. Whoa. <laughs> but uh, sorry, Mark, uh, that, 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 story, <laughs> that story confuses me just a little bit because my understanding was that you worked out in the women's section of the gym with the little pink weights with the tassels. So does that? Oh, no, no, no. That You say, no, I remember you saying <laughs> that you had the pink tassels <laughs> on it. That's Sorry, just working on that. We can... Hey, if rewriting history can work for the government, why not for us anarchists? There you go. There you go. We'll we'll have we'll yeah. have to have uh, we the people destroy that part of the archive. <laughs> right into the memory <laughs> hole. Into the memory hole. There, there, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, we have another call. We have uh, Richard in North Carolina. Richard, welcome to the No State Project. Hi, I'm. I'm sorry I missed the last little bit of what you were talking about because I switched from the monitor on my computer to the telephone. I don't think you. And there much. was a gap, but it sounds like you were coming. You were addressing the issue, kind of that I was going to bring up too, which was the Goethe quote about none are so, uh, you know, who believe they're uh, falsely believe that they're free uh, thing. Uh, but were you moving in that direction about the kind of the long-term psyop in the country that's kind of convinced everybody to believe in the system and it's very hard for them to get out of that mindset? Well, I was going to go there, but I made a crude joke first. So, oh. <laughs> and I was I backed Sorry. him up on that that joke too. So, <laughs> but you know, when you were talking about why people don't revolt and everything, I think that that's probably a big reason why is that people have this uh, uh, underlying basic faith in the system. Uh, that they've been taught to believe in for so long that it's very hard for them to get out of that mindset to even think about something like revolution, uh, hardly that, um, without suffering really great distress. I think your guest was talking about that. Yeah, well, I, I, I understand. I agree with the, you know, the battered citizen syndrome or whatnot. It's just, I, I think when it comes down to, and I think this is something is probably going to happen now, because one of the things I mentioned was the over 55 uh, population. And when you've worked all your life and you're looking at being wiped out, I think that has a, a, a tendency generally uh, to uh, cut across, you know, because you're going after someone's family. And at least in my experience, when you start going after the family, that's when people start taking notice and start, and that's where the line is drawn. It's just like with uh, JT, you know, you and we've mentioned before that, you know, uh, like my wife draws the line strictly at family. 
if if they were to impose, you would you would see my wife would be the 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 the, the loudest libertarian or voluntarist out there if they instituted a draft tomorrow. Because that's that's where she draws the line, and so I think that's that's where. So that's why when you're talking about the depression, you're talking about wiping out uh, people's savings, you know, like they did in Germany, for example. I mean, people, you know, when they or Yugoslavia too, recently in Yugoslavia, they did the same thing where they just wiped out entire populations' uh, savings and and assets. So I, I, you know, so maybe you, get, you know, let me know what you guys think if 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 if, if, if the the uh, religious aspect of statism. Uh, can, that that emotional bond there can be you know broken to a degree when there is such economic devastation. I think it can. I mean, I, I think though that the you know what libertarians need to do, since we're the ones who define the initiation of the use of force as evil, and I think rightly so, then when we're talking to friends and even family, and it's a horrible thing to have to do, but I think it's important for us to do it if this is what we claim we believe. And we have to say to them not, do you support the violence of the state in, in abstract, but to go up to them and say, I believe that the initiation of the use of force is wrong. I believe that the government is an agency that is based on the initiation of the use of force. If you support the government, then you support the use of violence against me. Do you support the use of violence against me to make it personal? Have them look you in the eye and say you should be thrown in jail for not paying taxes or for uh, trading on your own. And if we can do that, if we can have them look us in the eye and say, yes, you should be thrown into one of the rape rooms of state prisons because you disagree with my ideology, we're making it personal and powerful in a way that articles and talking about the Fed just never will. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even hear the music. No, I didn't either. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. I, I was too loud. <laughs> I was too loud again. No, I, you you were no louder than you were before. Uh, but it's no biggie. You you finished right as the commercial started. So excellent. No harm, no foul. You know that's pretty that, that damn good timing. That big. Just guy. don't want to kick the bill payers <laughs> in the nuts. That's all I'm saying. Uh, well, I don't think we have to worry about that. Now you did good. Um, I think we still have Richard on. That's a uh, good call. Yeah, that was interesting that I had the, the, the you know those two conversations yesterday. It kind of dovetailed right in you know what we're talking about. And, and I thought it was outrageous that somebody would say to me that a shirt like that can get you shot. Yeah, Good Lord. Well, I mean, they're talking about disobeying the state. That's what the state does, right? That's their thing. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a much younger guy that said that to me. It was a, the older guy's a nice guy. He, I, I think this guy within the next, you know, he's probably, I, I, you know, like I said, late seventies, so or mid seventies. So I'm, I, I think I'm going to have him be a full blown anarchist here by uh, by the end of the summer. All right, <laughs> go meet your maker and overthrow heaven. <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean that way. I just in pretty good shape. You know, he, he's in pretty good shape. But uh, yeah, by the end of the summer, I, you know, I've been working, you know, been talking with him a bit, and uh, it's it's it, it's actually kind of rare to find somebody born uh, at that time who's not a fan of FDR. Oh yeah, like my my father my father in law is eighty four, so somebody born prior to nineteen thirty typically has a pretty good understanding of what kind of a monster he was. But people who were who were you know the children like baby boomers, they don't typically see that. Right, right, right. Well, they, they get the propaganda, not the original stuff, right? That, I just made this point in a video recently about how 
um, when you're living through this kind of corruption? Like, it's easy to believe that Korea was somehow justified, but it's very hard to believe that Iraq is justified. So when all you get is the propaganda, it's so much easier for you to believe this nonsense. But when you actually live through it live, as these people did, they're not going to hear about him as the hero who saved civilization, but as the guy who stole our gold, right? Right. Right. I, I figured that would have been the last straw. And I'm sure there were people that there were armed confrontations. We probably just didn't hear about it because we're not nearly old enough to, you know, we weren't there. Right, right. So I guess it's just a, it's just a, an assumption. Like, well, it's just like they say in Braveheart. History is written by the winners. Right, right, right. No. It's about bravenewbookstore.com. All right, we'll come up here. Remember, remember. Yeah, welcome back to the No Stay Project. We're here on the We the People Radio Network every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right, two full hours of anarchy radio. No government apologetics here. We know government is just a group of men and women providing a service at the barrel of a gun. If they want to protect your life, liberty, and property, then they wouldn't be the first ones looking to take it. And they certainly wouldn't be forcing us to use pieces of paper called Federal Reserve Notes. Uh, I want to get back to the show. Uh, I want to welcome back JT and Stefan Molyneux of FreeDomainRadio.com. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I think we still have Richard in North Carolina. Are you still with us, Richard? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I am. I just wanted to express my appreciation for the show, and I really, guy, I really enjoy uh, you two guys when you get on and you, and you uh, have the banter back and forth. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next few months, and and in terms of the in terms of the country, and I have a lot of worries about the false flag issue and some other stuff. But but you've discussed those things before, and I won't uh, hassle that now. But I do want to mention one thing: is that I am over one of those over 50 people. I'm a 60, or rather 59 year old. Uh, but I had the advantage of being in SDS back in 1968, so I already had a strange bent to my mind anyway. Um, and you don't lose that, really, just with the years. But one thing that really did send me down the rabbit hole was the 911 thing. And once that happened to me, I realized that that uh, uh, that all the people that were around me, to a large degree, in my southern town, Baptist town, were, were are rather completely oblivious to it all, and completely caught up in the palliative of the election and and. Uh, uh, but rather, other than that, they don't discuss these issues. They don't think about them. They're completely deluded. So it, I don't know if there's any cure for that or not, but I'll get offline and let somebody else talk. All right. Well, I do appreciate the the, the call, Richard, and uh, don't despair. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I get into those points, and I've put on the forum I've mentioned here, if we want a voluntary society, then we should get Britney Spears as a spokesperson, because that seems to, you know, it seems to be all people give a damn about. You know, people can tell you probably more about Britney Spears and Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan than they can tell you about uh, how an economy functions. Well, it's a short attention span society. I think it's gotten to be more so uh, where people are more interested in uh, distraction and comfort, and Whatever, whatever what they consider a nuisance, what you and I see as uh, huge warning signs of impending doom or, or, or uh, increased uh, control and slavery, they see the nuisance as long as they can root for their favorite sports team, go to McDonald's, get their drive-through, go bowling, get their beer, and watch television. It's, 
I think that's part of it. I think it's a big part of it. But, uh, well, you know, what's wrong with that? I mean, they can't do anything about it anyway, right? So uh, why would you necessarily even want to? Uh, I mean, we have a particular fetish for examining and talking about these truths. But um, I don't know why it would be irrational to look at Britney Spears rather than, you know, pour over the price of gold relative to oil in 1974, which is good and, and fun. But uh, I, I don't blame the general population for doing that. That's just a rational allocation of resources based on what they can actually control. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's a rational short-term allocation of resources. However, in the long run, it's going to have a deleterious effect on their ability to maintain that lifestyle if they don't look out beyond that lifestyle. But well, in the but, short sorry, term, I but what are they going to do if they find out this stuff? Adjust their well, life. Uh, I, I think it's possible. I think it's indeed possible to to live a, a, a freer existence if you choose to do it. It depends on what's important to you. Um, I, I think I think amongst all of us, we all want our degree of comfort and so forth, but I think that, that we're all willing Speaking of our, uh, you know, the three of us and the, and the majority of the audience, I think we're willing to sacrifice a a greater degree of gadgetry and comfort in exchange for hopefully waking up enough of the populace where we can have true freedom. I mean, there were there was more freedom in, in this. It, it, there was an article I just read today where we've got more gadgets now, but if you if you go back to 1950, people had more free time, did more with less. And we're able to save, put a, put four kids through college, and and have a spouse that didn't work, and still save for retirement. Uh, the, the 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 quality of life was better 50 years ago than it is now, in spite of the cheap garbage food and the cheap entertainment. And I, I just it seems like a slothful existence. I, I I don't disagree with what you're saying, Stefan. I understand that, but we're we're a higher animal than that, aren't we? I mean that that's dogs do that. Well, no, I agree with you. I mean, I agree with you, but um, uh, but I, the system can't be reformed from outside. I mean, the, the system is going to just have to hit the wall, and I think that those of us who have the interest and the talent to communicate this stuff should do so in as entertaining and positive a manner as possible, and so that we can woo people away and say, look, there are better stimulations. But we're just free market competing with Paris Hilton, and I think, you know, it doesn't do any good to slag the competition. We just have to find ways to make things more interesting than Paris Hilton. I have a number of outfits that, unfortunately, I can't show you here on the radio that are designed to do that on video, but uh, but but we just we just have to compete with that stuff and and find a way to to woo people away from the easy stuff, right? Like I mean, uh, just to make the case, like any nutritionist uh, should, to that they'll be happy if they don't always eat a McDonald's. But I don't think that that blaming or people are saying that it's dog-like or slothful. Uh, that's just our free market challenge to find a way to make thinking more fun than passively consuming dollar oh, I, I, I don't. I don't. I, you know, I, I, Right, and I say that as a descriptive term. I don't mean that in an accusatory manner. I, I agree completely with what you're saying, and, and, and entertainment is a way to do that. Mark's video is exceedingly entertaining, as far as I'm concerned. Your your I mean, your stuff is great, uh, Stefan. But I, I got to tell you, the one that sticks with me is shopping in the trunk of a car. It's one of my all time favorites, and it gets the most response of everybody I uh, I point towards it. it it's fantastic. It wakes them up. 
Yes, it does. And, and that is the challenge that, that we have, which is to try and make thinking more fun. Because, of course, most people have heard of economics and philosophy and politics as, you know, incredibly dull and seemingly interminable op-ed pieces from pompous windbags. And to try and find a way to get people engaged and enthusiastic about philosophy and politics and economics is a real challenge for sure. And I think that we're only going to get better at it because we're competing with such trashy and easy entertainment. Like a sports team gets better if they play tougher opponents. And the fact that we are competing with this, this other stuff, I think, just causes us to up our game. And I think that we should, in a sense, be thankful for it because it causes us to, to improve or to need to. Agreed. And, yeah, and I, I, yeah I, I agree. As an, aside, as an aside, I can't believe Mark was uh, almost not considering putting the uh, Hitler bit in his latest video because I think it makes it. It makes the point beautifully <laughs> in that he takes the frivolity and stupidity of the uh, current political statements in regards to oil and OPEC and superimposes uh, Uncle Adolf by uh, giving his speech. And it's, it, 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 it's visually and uh, auditorily uh, stimulating. It's hilarious. But it, it gets a great well, message. I appreciate that. It's just, I, you know, you start going through the rules and things for like, you know, for viral videos and what you need to do. And I had made a promise to you. I told you on the phone a couple of days before, man, I'm going to keep this to a minute 30. That's it. Not going to go. And it was impossible to keep it from going over. But I agree, you know, the, the, the humor and doing a better job is definitely, you know, the way to go. Uh, look at what the Daily Show has done. Uh, yeah, right. The humor is definitely a way of doing that, and and it's not so much that I, that people I'm saying that people should not pay attention to things like Britney Spears or Lindsay, you know, these other uh, uh, people. It's just a, it's a matter of priorities. Uh, there are things that are more important in life, and I think one of the more positive things that we could talk about, of course, is say, well, what, you know, because Steph, you you you, that's, you raise a valid point. What can they do? And that's what a lot of people say. They say, well, yeah, Mark, you're right. And they'll call the show or they'll email me and say, yeah, you're right. But what the heck are we supposed to do? What's your alternative? What's the answer? Well, first well, of all, I think that we should, we should recognize well, that Lindsay we'll, Lohan and Britney we'll, Spears, we'll, are both, they're both statists. And so that results in a no underwear lifestyle. And we can reinforce that point for people. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we do have to go to a break. My name is Mark Stevens. With JT and Savon Molyneux, if you want to join us, the number is 512 646 1984. I'm sorry. I kill me. I'm glad you got that out. Actually, working from home is also a no underwear lifestyle, so I'm one to talk about it. I rarely do the show with pants on. We have homeopathic detox solutions for. See, that's the, a joke of context. I, <laughs> right. I'm wearing shorts, but most people would start thinking, oh, Why wait any longer? it's 115 degrees out. Why would anybody have pants on? Hey. Our new What's the temperature over there, Steph? Uh, not too bad. It was uh, really nice out today, uh, 25, 26. I don't know what that is in your freaking oh, Russian temperatures. Oh, give me Celsius. That's actually pretty hot for Celsius. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know the conversion exactly, but I know it's hot. Oh, yeah, I, I think uh, I'd have to look it up. I The kilos it, the kilos I have pretty good from weightlifting. I can under, I understand kilos, but I, I the Celsius is just throws. Oh, yeah. No, I, I used to know it a little bit more. I used to actually do some coding for U.S. and, and um, metric imperial conversions, but Lord knows now. I just tuned out when you said that. I can't understand that stuff. Yeah. 
That was a joke. <laughs> if you have to say it, it might not be. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it's just possible. That's all I'm empirically. That's all I'm saying, right? Okay. Yeah, I tell you. You know, I like the idea of actually, you know, because I have confronted people at church about these issues. And uh, surprisingly, uh, the result has always been very good. You mean the sort of violence against me kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, you, I, you just lay it out, you know. Uh, it helps that, and I'm not trying to sell you on the Book of Mormon, but it helps when you're dealing with someone who is LDS and Mormon because they know, they're familiar with the Book of Mormon. And the Book of Mormon has uh, some fantastic examples of voluntary societies. Oh, is that right? Oh, they have one where if you talk to someone who's LDS, they'll know what you're talking about when they talk about King Benjamin, who was just a name only. He is explicit. There were no taxes. There were no prisons. And with no taxes and no prisons, okay, no taxes now, they were able to defeat an army several times. Oh, I can believe that. So it's very difficult for someone in the church who knows these things to then defend government. Right, 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 right. You can quote, quote scripture at them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it so it's been you know you would expect that there would be a very emotional response, but so far the way I've done it, it's uh, it's worked out pretty well. It's encouraging. All right, we're gonna go back in a moment. This is We the People Radio Network. Back to the No State Project. I'm your host, Mark Stevens. This is the We the People Radio Network, WTPRN.com. Remember, sign up for the podcast if you haven't done so already. That's WTPRN.com. And video that we were just talking about, the grand illusion, the price of gas not going up. Uh, I want to thank everyone for subscribing and, and uh, passing the video on and having it embedded. Uh, Alex, thank Alex Jones. Uh, took me a few weeks, but we it, it was posted on Infowars.com. He got like twelve thousand hits yesterday, which uh, fantastic. I do appreciate that. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on my homepage, AventuresToLegalLand.com. And uh, remember to subscribe to the videos. I want to welcome back JT and Stefan Molyneux of FreeDomainRadio.com. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I want to I want to get into because I don't want everyone thinking it's doom and gloom. This is uh, dedicated to bringing about a voluntary society. I want to so want to talk about some of the things that people can do to help bring about a voluntary society. So one of the things I'm gonna, I I'm throw out that somebody can do, especially because you know dealing with the economy and how things are going, is to not be an employee anymore. Not to be a, a whatever you want to call it, a legal employee or a statutorily defined uh, employee, but not being an employee and actually working as a contractor uh, through, let's say, like a business trust and avoiding. Uh, and and you know, I mean, this is something that uh, look what it saves employees, uh, employer employers rather. There's no FICA, they, there's no Social Security to match. 
So that's one thing. Absolutely. Pull your kids out of school, too. Yeah, there was something you had sent me recently, Stefan. I don't know if you heard this yet. There's somebody in Germany who has been convicted of a crime of homeschooling, and that it's uh, and he was the judge compared this the guy who was convicted of homeschooling compared him to a habitual drunk driver. <laughs> I don't know. Are you familiar with that? Story? Yeah, I actually sent you that. <laughs> right. So, Steph, have you have you heard this? Ah, those Germans, they, uh, they really want to make it easy for us with the stereotypes, don't they? <laughs> you have broken the rules! <laughs> right? I mean, they're just not fighting it at all. I was, was, uh, <laughs> was going to say, guys, part of the reason I was late, I was, uh, it was in uh, a local town of New Ulm, as you can guess from the name of the town. It was settled by Germans, and I had a light lunch of uh, schnitzel, sh- uh, spetzel, and uh, red cabbage, and I had an irresistible desire to evade France immediately following the meeting, which I uh, suppressed and I was able to get uh, back home uh, in a reasonable amount. German, German and British imperialism has always been driven by the desire for better food, and, and that's why uh, peace in <laughs> Europe has descended, because a lot of ethnic restaurants have, have cropped up in these places so they don't have to go to uh, other lands to get something decent to eat, and I think that's had a lot to do with it. But, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, I can totally see that in, in Germany and, and in other places as well. It is um, uh, it is really tough for people to get out of the state school. Certainly, uh, you know, if, if we have kids uh, in my family, uh, homeschooling is, is going to be the way to go. I just, you know, I would no more send my children to a state school than I would sign them up for, uh, you know, a mining job at the age of six. It just uh, isn't going to happen because I'm going to spend the whole time deprogramming them. It's going to take a whole lot longer for me to, to educate them if they go to a state school than if I just deal with it at home. Yeah. Right, right. And, and I don't want to gloss over this whole thing about English food. You have to tell me what the hell is blood pudding? You know, I, I wish that it was nicer than it sounded. I wish that I could give you something more positive and say that blood is actually, I don't know, ancient Norse for treacle and gold. Uh, but uh, no, it's uh, it's just another ugly thing that uh, is uh, something. You know, th- but this is a country where baked beans are considered a vegetable, right? I mean, it just uh, there is no sense and reason uh, in British cooking other than uh, I guess the teeth are so bad that anything that's soft is better. <laughs> yeah. Although, what yeah, a great idea to boil everything. First-hand experience of this, Steph, because I've been to Canada many times fishing. Uh, Canada's gift to the world is gravy on fries. It's not something I ever conceived of before going to Canada, but uh, crave every time I do go to Canada. Oh, if you ever go to Quebec and you really want to shave off about six months of your lifespan but die with a smile on your face, have a little something called uh, poutine, which is cheese curds and gravy on fries. You can actually feel your arteries hardening as you move it to your mouth. (laughs) It's like replacing your arteries with uh, pipe cleaners, but man, is it ever! It's good stuff. Yeah, well, that's like if you're if you're in the Los Angeles area. Oh, I'm sorry, if you're in the Los Angeles area, you stop in the Carnies and get their uh, their chili fries. That you can feel your arteries hardening hardening there too. But uh, Jay Leno swears by them. Oh yeah, it's like do, do not you don't even eat it. You just paste it directly on your gut. Oh yeah, it, it's something. And JT, I can't let you off the hook here because you know. You you guys up there, you know, you you've got that blood sausage yeah, yeah. yet. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is, blood sausage? I mean, what could they make it more unappetizing in the name? 
It's exactly what it says. It's it's, con, it's congealed animal blood compressed into a and there's there's uh, pork as well. Uh, oh. oh gosh! <laughs> what do you what do you top that off with the with with, with a side of blood pudding? I mean, my goodness, that is. I mean, at least enough the, to make least, anybody a vegetarian. At least the Scots take their ungodly foods and give it a, a name that you don't understand. Like they don't say sheep's intestines stuffed with evil; they say haggis, right? So it's haggis. different for the Scots. <laughs> at least they'll at least they'll confuse you with something that's relatively innocuous. Like, hey, I'm eating this; it's haggis. What is it? You know. Whereas with blood pudding, it's like right up front, this is just evil. You might as well have like monkey brains in hell. Oh yeah, yeah. I, all right, that. But you know, it, it's at least it's brought to the market on a voluntary basis. You're not forced to eat that crap at this particular point in time. Correct. Masochism you know, is a market uh, force as well. That's uh, that's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and and I. That's what I think. Every time I go into this one store and there's a McDonald's in there, okay, and I see these people, and I, I, I mean, no offense, I really don't, but. Nine people out of the ten that are in this place are morbidly obese. And you would think that at some point in time they've got to turn around and see the other people that are in there eating with them. And there's, there has to be a realization and like, like an enlightenment like, oh, my God, is that what I look like? You know, as you I, – I, to me, it uh, – that that's – that's enough to say, you know what, uh, I, I really think I should take a look at and re-examine my life here. But I want to get back to the serious issue of not uh, – yeah, the, the homeschooling is a, or, or is a fantastic idea if you can do that. There's not many people, th- uh, obviously, that want – uh, the the violence and that may be one of the messages that you know with this whole thing with the uh, FLDS uh, church down in Texas where they of course kidnapped and it is now kidnapping because the Supreme Court has said it was illegal uh, well this is what can be done you know if they can take 400 kids they can certainly take one or two out of your home but uh, the issue of an employee I think is really important because and this is something everyone you know, if you're not aware of this yet, you really need to be. As far as I'm aware, every attack from the IRS that the IRS has launched had its root in a paper trail. Right? Oh, it's the it's Paddlefield Society. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If there's no paper trail, typically isn't an attack because they have nothing to follow. So it's definitely something to consider. But what is something else that we can do? To help bring about a voluntary society, to, to bring more freedom into into the world. Well, the suggestion that I would make, and I'm just I, I pound this nail again because it's it's hard to sometimes get it get it through to people, but uh, I'll just mention it briefly. You know, go to the people in your life and only have those people in your life uh, to the best of your ability, as much as you can, who are willing to relinquish the use of violence in the solution of problems. And that means, obviously, they don't use violence themselves, but uh, that they relinquish their abstract support of violence through patriotism, through a support of the state, and so on. I mean, how many of us would want to have a wife beater as a friend? But, of course, the state does far more evil uh, on a universal level, uh, overseas, domestically, through prisons, and so on. So I think it's a matter of confronting people with the ethical choices in life, that you can support violence by being a statist, or you can uh, be in my life, but you can't be both, because that's evil. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, you have to. And that makes homeschooling look have, easy, right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, I had mentioned you all, fair Stefan, and I'm very uh, uh, happy that it, you know recently the people that I've spoken with at church have been very open to the message and want to hear more. As I had someone say to me, you know, just last week, he says, man, Mark, you're the libertarian. You've got to explain these, the, the, you know, the gas price uh, problem with me. You've got to explain to me what's going on. So it's very encouraging. We'll talk about that uh, when we get back from, uh, from a break. We'll be back in just a second. Yeah, do you need any better example of the free market? See, that's what the free market will give you as opposed to what <laughs> statism gives you. FDR, George Bush. <laughs> now, there are some fine military marches that you get from governments. Uh, some of the uh, Chinese-Russian band marching music is just stuff you want to mosh pit to. So uh, I see what you're saying, but there could be an argument to be made for the ugly martial music too. So. Well, that is that that is true. And welcome back to, to the show, Steph. And and ju- and just and just for that, I'm gonna let you. JT let me. He sent me something. And welcome back to the show, JT. He sent me something that vitamin C may be actually illegal now there in Canada. So there. Vitamin C is illegal in Canada. Oh, I get it. That's trying to make it. Trying to make it illegal. Actually, sorry. I just wanted to give him the kicker mark. I just wanted to point out, sorry, it, it's not the vitamin C that's illegal. Actually, Canada's just made the letter C illegal, so you'll have to refer to it as Anida. Aha. <laughs> I don't know, you know, what, any more information what you sent me, JT. I haven't tried to verify any of it, but they, do, they want uh, only MDs to prescribe it. Yeah, anyway, sorry, Mar. Please go on. I can't use it either. So. Nah. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> before we get we went to the break, talking about things that we can do to help bring about a voluntary society, and the idea that you have is, you know, within your own social circle is is one is great. You know, that's kind of the way uh, you know, someone like Jim Davies, who we've done uh, done shows together with, has suggested. You know, like with his online Freedom Academy, and something that we have that we're doing here locally, and my church is doing it, and it's a preparedness. Uh, uh, what do you call it? like not a conference, but it's a like a like a series of workshops and seminars that 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 we're doing. And I'll be there. So one of the things I'll be talking about, of course, is uh, getting your assets off the dollar, of course, as much as you can. And uh, something that you know uh, that my church that uh, pushes for big time is uh, a year's supply of food. So this is something you know that that I think is important is 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 making sure the people in your area that you know have at least a three month supply of food. And uh, I know JT, you've mentioned you use the Berkey water filter, right? Absolutely, I, I've tested it uh, with some of the most uh, questionable sources uh, possible, and it's uh, incredible. Of course, I measure before I drink it, uh, but uh, yeah, I. Any, anything from uh, street puddle water to uh, toilet water. And it's, uh, it comes out cleaner than uh, your so-called city tap water. Well, well, let me ask this to fun. Do, do they fluoridate in the area that you're in in Canada? I believe they do. Uh, 
Now, there was someone, rec- I know, fairly recent within the last five years that was with, uh, I guess, the the, the Anadian uh, <laughs> equivalent <laughs> to, uh, to the Board of Health or the FDA that had actually uh, shown, you know, had documented evidence to show that the fluoride, uh, you know, was a carcinogen, among other things, and should be taken out. And I, uh, I can't remember his name for the life of me. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I guess not. I probably should have. I didn't expect it to come up, so that's why I had. I don't have the research on there. But apparently, a lot of people have come out. Uh, some former officials, uh, people who were advocates of fluoride, and now finally uh, get you know starting to use some of their brain and saying uh, what a danger that stuff is. Now, does the Berkey water filter? I don't want to do a commercial for it, but does does something like that remove fluoride? It does. Yes, it does. Oh wow. Well. Another another good reason to have it. Wow, I didn't I mean, know that. It, 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 fluoride is is minor compared to some of the stuff that does get rid of it. But it's, it's incredible. I mean, it, you can you can take uh, tap water with uh, and put food coloring it. Say, run it through a Berkey and it comes out clear. Wow, that's wow. Uh, that, that level that it that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's important that people do have a supply of water and at least a three-month supply of food because, I mean, not that they may not, you know, that that's definitely going to be a total economic collapse. It probably isn't going to be. It's going to get pretty bad. But it, it is going to get to where, you know, shipping, at least temporarily, may be shut down in a lot of areas. But uh, we have a few minutes left. I have a call. We have John in Missouri. John, welcome to the No State Project. Oh, hey, Mark. Uh, how you guys doing? Doing good. We only, we only have a few minutes left. We got to be quick. Uh, Stefan. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, you know uh, ways to you know bring in uh, a voluntary society to people, and I you know I really like the ideas that Stefan talks about with the CRO system and the, uh, you know and monetary and voluntary uh, protection. The, the you know how uh, how cheap it is to defend a country rather than being an empirical uh, offensive nation and. Uh, I think, you know, bringing up points like that is a really good way to sell people on it because, uh, you know, people will see how they could, you know, benefit from that over the system we have now, and uh, and maybe that'd be quicker bringing the change. Well, that's it. Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic idea. I've written and said for years to uh, write into your contracts a binding mediation clauses that you cannot go to the courts. And uh, so, you know, from what I've known, I mean, I've done that. And uh, I've even had IRS, a- IRS agents uh, recognize it. Not that that typically means anything, but, you know, for government officials, you know, because that's where it all hinges. So that is an excellent point. Well, let me ask you, since, you know, you're teaching people, you, know, you're, you're, you know, you're aware of these things, what do you say to somebody who says, yeah, John, those are all good, but what about the roads? How are the roads going to get built and paid for? <laughs> well, I, you know, I think uh, you brought up a great point in your book, you know, the- you know, if we didn't have government rounds, are, are you? Are we to assume that people wouldn't build them anyway? I mean, if anything, it would be better because you know uh, it'd be a more of a voluntary, uh, you know, uh, contracted to build these roads, and the people would be happier doing their jobs and better quality work as opposed to the forced tax and the people that you know just get those jobs, you know, just for easy money or, or whatever you know their motivations be now, but not, certainly not to you know keep those roads in the manner that they do. So, uh, you know, it's always been better on the other uh, side of the. You know, I mean, over what we currently have now. Well, and it's a huge, yeah, Jake, sorry, it's, it's a huge step forward in the debate for us to be asked how anarchism will work. That's really new. I mean, before, at least when I started, you couldn't even get people to understand that the government might have anything wrong with it. 
I mean, so that that debate has been won, and then then all all you would hear is, well, without a government, uh, you know, we'd be in some we'd be bad extras in some early '80s Mel Gibson movie, riding around with exploding motorcycles and, and stuff like that, and and that cliche has gone by the wayside. Now we're actually at the point, relatively quickly, it's a quarter century, we're at the point where people are saying, okay. Tell me how it might work. And this is why I've just, I'm just i writing a trilogy on anarchy. The first book is Practical Anarchy. This is not a plug because they're all free. So you can just go pick them up from the website in audiobook or PDF format. Um, I wrote the first book called Practical Anarchy, which is how anarchy works in our life as it is, right? And we, we have anarchy in the dating system. We have anarchy in job hunting. There's no central authority that orders us around. So it's pointing out how much in life works. The price system is an example of anarchy. Heck, democracy is an example of anarchy as I talk about it in the book. And so we have lots of examples of functioning anarchy around and that book Everyday Anarchy is at freedomainradio.com forward slash free. And the second book in the series, I've just finished it up, it's in its third draft, is called Practical Anarchy where I provide a methodology and tons of examples of how anarchy is going to solve problems that people find uh, hard to solve conceptually in a state of society. So I mean, it's a massive step forward in the debate. I think it's, it's always important to look back and see how far we've come rather than, as we often do, look forward and see how far we still have to go. But the Internet, of course, has just made this all so much more accelerated. I mean, I got 300,000 media views uh, last month from Freedom Main Radio. I mean, how could that be possible without the technology that we have? And it is that, te- that technology and the communication of information that is really accelerating this debate. And I think we can be very hopeful and positive about it all. Well, yeah, I agree. And, and if you watched, and I am, I can't plug this enough. The the PBS series with James Burr, Connections, and uh, the one he did the day the universe changed. He, every time that there was a a new technology, such as books, and you know, and, and to get information out, the rate of change in society just went off the charts. And now with the internet, it's just it, 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 you know it's an absolutely incredible. I, and and so like, like I've mentioned before, uh, we've spoken before. The internet, I believe, is going to be very instrumental in the undoing of governments as we know them. Which is why they have to make it a boogeyman as fast as possible so they can control it. Uh, They're working pretty hard at that. Yeah, you're absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 well, it, I'm. I, it, it, I hope it is too late. I'll just throw this out. You, you know, you keep in mind of the partnership that these uh, telecommunication companies have. They just were granted immunity and over f- for the spying, and over forty lawsuits now have to, are going to be dismissed because they deprived the courts of jurisdiction. So something to keep in mind. Unfortunately, but John, I do appreciate the call, John in Missouri. My name is Mark Stevens. This is. The No State Project for June 21st, 2008. I want to thank uh, JT for coming on and joining me. And also, Safar Molyneux of FreeDomainRadio.com. I do appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Mark. Have a great month. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it, Stefan. And as always, everybody, government, of course, is nothing more than a group of men and women providing a service at the barrel of a gun, a service they never have to provide. And if they were interested in protecting your life, liberty, and property, then damn it, they wouldn't be the first ones looking to take it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And until next week, Lahayim. Thanks, Mark. Adam, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. No problem.